0: Welcome to the Investment Cuddle. I'm Gary and this is episode 17. So this is the second part of the Portfolio Structure podcast that we put together. So in episode 16, we looked at investment trust, single fund and 100 year portfolio. And today we're going to pick up a little bit on how to buy. So without further ado, I'll let the guys pick up where we left off on part one on the 100 year portfolio. So I'd mentioned about the 100-year portfolio. Do we want to go down that road or should we not bother? I got the impression, Keith, you were a bit apprehensive about talking about um, Chris Cole's stuff.
1: I wouldn't necessarily say apprehensive. It's just uh, it's, it seems to have been done with the idea of don't just allocate 20% to each of these. But I guess Well, you could, uh, you know, for me that just it it just starts to it just raises questions about how can you play tunes with that along the same lines as the conversation we had around Terry, you know, where Terry says, you know, I don't uh, not timing the market, Uh, not timing the market, timing the market is that was that Terry? Well, I don't know, but
0: not quite him, but you
1: not timing the market, anyway.
0: Yeah, but exactly, he's he's more. Not time in the market and buying good companies. I'm not sure if he's advocated time in the market, but he kind of does because he doesn't sell and he doesn't buy very much. So I guess he's it's churn it's churn for him, I guess. which yeah. could be the same thing, I guess you could argue. And it that
1: raised the question with me. you know if you were to if you were allocating to Terran, of course you don't know from one moment to the next what what split he's got in that portfolio but you know if you had a if you had a, a view on the stocks in terry then you know it was raising question in my mind could you time in and out larger or smaller allocation to him uh, yeah yeah his answer but, would be and, uh, no don't his,
2: do that that's how you waste your money
1: well his answer would bound to be that right? because mm, no not thought, necessarily his answer, his know, answer is uh,
2: don't trade you waste your money
1: yeah okay but there's a few other things in there as well is that while you're fully allocated he's earning more money and you know clearly if he thought he could do better he would do it yeah true so i was listening to i forget his name now but he's i think he was one of the guys behind the turtle traders he was talking about diversification in his trend following strategy and he had recently taking the decision to drastically reduce his exposure to equities on the basis that knowing that he was probably going to miss out on upside in equities, but on the basis that he wanted to reduce the volatility of his overall portfolio. So I think part of that rationale is there are times when globally a lot of the equities can be correlated. You know, maybe it's in part because of the trend following strategies that he employs. But ultimately, all of changes to his positions will will be on a lag versus some movement in the market versus the trend. But yeah, I think his his point was that yeah, it, he's trading off the potential. Greater upside in equities for a lower volatility portfolio. Uh, that's going. So instead of getting into equities that, you know, that's greater allocation to bonds, commodities and crypto. I think it's obviously there are potentially other things, other ways of going about it to reduce volatility, but you know, some stocks do better in some environments than others and rebalancing across that can. Perhaps reduce the volatility. I
2: was gonna say yes, that's that's true. Equally weighted indices sometimes can do better than market cap weighted ones because the market cap ones tend to get extremely concentrated and to get more volatile. They go through phases of volatility.
1: Maybe he's long only and maybe adding a short component could help reduce that volatility in stocks. Yeah, I think there's you know, there's probably lots of ways to go about it but it you know it struck me how he's looking at a world of stocks and saying actually no i want to be less exposed to any of these stocks worldwide and more exposed broadly across other assets but recognizing when he did say that the stocks were prone to outperform maybe it changes mind if markets sold off you know over 50 percent
2: yeah then fear of missing out kicks in.
1: I was listening to that recently, and uh, when you, you were talking about diversification. It, that conversation kept coming to my
0: mind.
2: Yeah, well, one of the reasons why you might want to diversify. But the interesting thing is if you go back 10 years or longer, because that's when you're really mm. seeing differences.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: One will run away with itself. But it's a bit like the hare and the tortoise. Uh, for example, like growth, they goes through period. Growth does really well. And then you go through periods, maybe five, six years of growth does nothing and other things catch back up. And so when you're looking at over multiple business cycles, like 100 years, you actually go, well, actually, yeah, it wasn't that much different in growth and income and value. The problem is, though, at any, if you're in a certain decade, one just ran away with it, and then the others didn't do anything. But then the other one did nothing for two decades.
0: But I think that's it, isn't it? If I was, If I was a betting person, which I'm not, but if I was, I'd be really interested to see how that, more evenly balanced portfolio works against yeah. a Terry.
2: The closest I've seen is um, the Barclays Capital report that used to be done every year and they went back like, in the UK market up for 150 years. And they said on average, yes, you want to invest shares because on average, over the long term, they give, they give you much, much overperformance compared to the other things. What they don't tell you until you go into the nitty gritty and read it in detail, not just the um, summary, is... There are periods of decades where shares did nothing. and then colossal growth, then nothing. And then colossal growth, then nothing. So it all depends on which decade you're in depending on what actually you want to do. So sometimes over the very long time it doesn't help.
0: Yeah, and I guess this is where you come back to the whole you know full cycle investing we chatted on about the equity market in 18 for emerging market uh, shares and then more recently, that be picking up again. But actually between that point, there's been a big trough where, you know, if you owned emerging markets, you were probably down on that particular fund or stock. You, know, you weren't making money in emerging markets. You might well have been pulling in dividends, but you weren't making money in growth terms, yeah. whereas now it looks like it's turned the corner again. So I think the the element in all of this with balancing portfolios is actually if you want to follow the business cycle or whatever you want to call it, the the investment roller coaster, that sort of sine wave. Actually, you don't want to hold anything for too long. <laughs> you want to move forever. around. And the, well, no, exactly, not forever. So all of this, I was going to call it bobcus. All of this stuff that they talk about with, oh, get 70% of this and 60-40 or whatever. Actually, you don't want to do that in the same stocks. So this is more about what's your portfolio allocation, but it's not about what sits in those baskets of stocks because you should be shifting those around based on whatever's.
2: There's times when you want to own growth shares and grow small growth companies compared to times when you own our own big dividend-paying companies to where you want medium-sized growth companies. You don't want them all at the same time, but they're all shares.
0: Yeah, exactly. But that, and then that gets you down the whole route of, with, do you want an active manager or do you want a tracker? And actually, what we're kind of leading ourselves towards there is an active manager who is going to say, well, yes, okay, you might be into a particular sector, like an energy fund. Just thinking of Barry there for a minute. And you turn around and say, well, they're shifting more towards green. So the ESG environmental side still supported by oil. So you've got dividend, you've got growth, and they're shifting that portfolio as the, as, as the investing cycle changes for energy. You can let somebody like, you know, in, in Berry, which is the black rock fund, do that, can't you? But you want to know they're doing that, not just let them sit there going, well, I'm still owning all the oil companies and that'll be fine. That's not really what you what you want them to do.
2: Yeah. Or you buy a tracker that one does, does, does the green energy, one does, does the standard energy, and then over time rebalance it. Every month, put the same amount into each, and it buys a different amount of units, depending on which one's grown more or less. There, and there are different ways of doing it, depending on how active and how frequent you want to do something about it. The one of doing it every month means you can automate it, and then you just don't need to look at it again, because every month you're just cost-pound averaging against two different types where when one gets relatively cheaper against the other, you buy more of it automatically. So it's just depending on how much maintenance you want to do, depends on which sort of strategy you can attack.
0: I think it's uh, just striking me that it's perhaps not as um, straightforward as just picking a basket full of equities, a basket full of bonds and saying, well, I'll rebalance it based on my age. And that's that's a good way of doing it. But I, I think it's, again, it comes down to individual preferences.
2: But I could give an example of what I've just done with my company pension. It's forced me to go and pick some stuff. And I decided I wanted... I didn't like the automatic balancing, which was 20% UK, 10% emerging markets, and the rest is developed markets. I went in there and go, I wanted to do it differently. And I'm buying it every month. So if one gets does much, much better, I'm going to buy slightly less of each month if one does worse. So over the next 10 years... I'll be buying the cheapest bits as much as possible by cost-out-pound averaging.
0: Okay. Well, no, All I was just thinking when you were saying about the buying of the cheaper assets, buying the stuff that's going, well, if you take it to the point where you're buying the stuff that's going down more, you buy more of that than you're buying of the stuff that's going up. It's kind of counterintuitive.
2: Yeah, you should be buying what's going up.
0: Well, yeah, that's what I was just trying to clarify.
2: Maybe you should give the example of what I've been doing the last three years. I have been buying the same amount of emerging market every month, and the same amount of commodities and miners. Just recently, the miners are now going up. But because I'm paying the same amount each month, it's allowed me to buy them when they're really cheap without too much effort into it. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to buy enough of the stuff over the longer term at the cheap end and prosper when it does go up not
0: chase it up. Then, you know, I understand trying to buy stuff when it's essentially on sale. Don't chase the, don't chase the market. But I think there's also an element that says when you, was there something about doubling down on a, on a loser, isn't there?
2: You double up on losers. Um, But the problem there is if you want to take, and it's what I'm suggesting is not the optimal strategy, but it's the probably the optimal strategy for the least amount of effort, because I haven't bothered to try and pick the time, the market, because I've just automated and I've just done the same thing for two years. I didn't, and what I should have done was if I was doing it, I wouldn't bought. I would have wasted one on the last 18 months. I would have waited until about four months ago when it just started to turn. But that takes a lot of effort to research and look at Whereas if I just said, look, I'm going to buy the same 100 here, 100 here, 100 here every month, it will average itself out. You get, for the amount of effort you put in, you get a reasonable return, an additional return of buying cheaper stuff that's gone up
0: yeah and i guess it's you know but that that then plays into your psyche again doesn't it about buying the stuff on a on a down day there's the whole adage of you don't want to buy a, a, a falling stock and you only really want to buy stuff so that it looks like it's going up so you know so that's a positive whereas actually you want to be buying on a down day and selling on an up day
2: because it's so counterintuitive to it because you should be chasing which is not really unless you're going to do spend a lot of effort you don't want to chase
0: but no so i think that's a good summary so I think, again, it's just making sure that people are thinking about what they've got. So the most important thing I think about of all of this with portfolios is actually somebody is actually looking at what they've got in total. I was reading a great article in the Investors Chronicle the other week. You know, Somebody had clearly bought lots of different things for good reasons at various times in similar amounts of money, but they had an awful lot of it of different Stocks and funds, and I think funds of funds. So you turn around and going, you've basically got, you've bought everything. You know, you've been, you might as well have bought the, the index, index. But you're paying for all of these funds significantly higher fees, as we've said before on the podcast, orders of magnitude higher cost to have those funds. You've diversified, but you've diversified so much that you know when you look at that the whole thing, you just kind of need to tidy that up and pick your favorites. And I think the danger is you buy, oh, I'll have a bit of that because it looks interesting. And I'll have a bit of that because I've read somewhere that that's a good stock. But before you know it, you've gone way, you know, you're miles past the Terry Smith, you know, 20 to 20 to 25 stocks. And you're into territory where you might have 100 stocks and you kind of going, hang on or hundreds and hundreds of stocks. And You go, well, then you're definitely better off with an index because you're not you're not diversifying in a positive way. You're actually diversifying in a costly
2: way. Left, front,
0: so I think it's just stepping back from your portfolio, having a look at it, and then deciding. And I think you picked up on this earlier on about your risk risk appetite and risk tolerance. Because if you know that, whatever you do, you've got to be able to sleep at night.
2: And sometimes the best investments are the ones you don't look at because you do, you only see the hundred percent that Terry's given you. You haven't seen any of the ups and downs between it.
0: Yeah, I think that was that's one of my worst things that I do is I will look at something and if it doesn't do anything for 6 months, I will get grumpy about it and then you find out that actually the following 6 months it's done really well and it averages out that across that 12 month period it's it's done as well as it did the previous year. So what was I what was I getting grumpy about?
2: Yeah, Terry's very good at that. When you look at it, he has periods where it's done nothing in a year and then shot up. But people naturally want because it behaves like your savings, a nice straight line like and that's why Bernie Madoff did so well, or con so well. Because he knew it's the psychology, that's what people want to see. So that's what he told so that's what they got told. I'm not
0: having you not Bernie, I'm sorry. That's a that's a red that's a red line for me, that is. How about you, Keith? They they say
1: though, Phil, you know, one of the keys to a good con is, you know, telling people exactly what they want to hear, you know, you, when they're Yep. When, Ask when every politician.
2: Whoever gets elected, they know exactly because they knew what they were telling. Yep. Sorry. I couldn't resist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's That's great. (laughs) And so I shall say thank you to Philip and Keith, and we'll see you next time.
2: This programme has been presented for information and educational purposes only. None of the information or content of the programme is to be taken as an offer, opinion or recommendation by the program's hosts or guests to buy or sell securities. Nor is it intended to provide legal, tax, accounting, commercial or financial advice. Opinions and comments are based on information from sources believed to be reliable. All investing involves risk as prices go up or down based on a number of factors. Always consider consulting a financial professional before investing.